Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. While the U.S. public is distracted by endless election circuses and the hunt for more bread, the U.S. military and NATO are stirring up World War III in Eastern Europe. Today we speak with Phil Willato. He is editor of the Virginia Defender newspaper here in Virginia and a member of the administrative committee of the United National Anti-War Coalition, UNAC. Phil Willato, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's great to have you on. I know that uh, you've been doing anti-war work for years, but you have been working with anti-war and anti-fascist groups in Eastern Europe lately, and you've been to Poland, and you've been to Ukraine, uh, and you're going to Budapest, I think. Uh, right. Talk about your trip to Ukraine in particular. What happened there? Yeah, this has really been interesting. I, I don't do a lot of international traveling, but I was uh, filling in for another UNEC member who was uh, uh, invited to attend the uh, a conference in, in uh, Poland, Wrocław, Poland, uh, called the Social Forum of Eastern Europe and Cooperation Between East and South. It, it was basically a, a, a wide uh, spectrum of, of left forces, uh, from old communist parties, Trotskyist groups, social democrats, anarchists, uh, everyone who was, uh, you know, basically opposed to the right-wing uh, uh, transformation of Eastern and Southern Europe. And when we were there, uh, Anna Edwards, my wife, and I uh, both uh, attended the conference. Um, we had a meeting with uh, a group of folks from Odessa, Ukraine. They called the Council of Mothers of May Two. And they are relatives or friends, supporters of, uh, of at least 46 people who were murdered in Odessa uh, a few months after the right-wing coup of 2014. Um, and there was a, a clash between forces that uh, opposed the coup and uh, supported the coup. But there were also thousands of uh, right-wing soccer fans in town that were whipped up to attack the uh, the anti-coup forces and um, chased hundreds of them into a five-story uh, union headquarters, the House of Trade Unions, in a, in a uh, downtown uh, area called Kulikovo Square. And they firebombed the building and uh, shot people who tried to escape. Some people were leaping from the third or fourth stories and then were beaten with clubs when they hit the ground. It, it's called the worst... Uh, uh, incident of civil uh, conflict in Europe uh, since World War II. And so some people were burned to death, some died of smoke inhalation, some were shot, some were beaten. Um, and there has never been uh, a real investigation of who is behind um, this attack. And uh, But there are uh, just scores and scores of, of, of uh, documentaries and raw video footage of the attack. Anybody who Googles May 2, 2014, Odessa, can find them. And you can see the faces of people who are throwing the Molotov cocktails, who are um, shooting, who are beating. And um, uh, you can also see pictures of people uh, setting up little assembly lines to make uh, Molotov cocktails, which is not something you carry in your back pocket normally. 
Um, and, the and electricity was cut off in the building. The water was cut off. It's pretty clear that there was some uh, planning and organization behind this attack. And the family members have, have been pressing for an investigation ever since. And they also hold regular memorials in Kulikovo Square. They lay flowers and release black balloons as a symbol of mourning to press their demand for an international investigation. There have been several um, by prestigious organizations, the Council of Europe, the United Nations Human Rights Committee, but all have come to the same conclusion that the Ukrainian government is not cooperating in the investigation, and so there's really nothing that they can do um, without getting files and, and uh, forensic reports and so on. Um, but when you really went there, Phil Waleda, when you went yeah. there was for the two-year anniversary of, of this horror, right? And there were threats of new violence around that, around plans for the anniversary, right? Yeah, it, it was a powder keg. Um, the city government went to court to try to ban the memorial, saying that there would be violence. A half a dozen well-organized, well-funded fascist organizations were threatening a repeat of the massacre of two years before. Um, the governor uh, uh, called on the president to send in the National Guard, which he did, and the section of the National Guard he sent was the Azov Battalion, which is the neo-Nazi organization that the U.S. helped incorporate into the National Guard. So they had set up uh, uh, roadblocks around the city to question people coming in. Um, the uh, the uh, federal uh, uh, state security uh, unit, uh, similar to the FBI, had closed down Kulikovo Square. They said there was a bomb threat. Uh, they said they had found explosives in the area that, that they were linking to the anti-coup forces. So there were people being stopped at the airport and held in detention um, and then deported. So it was a very, very tense situation. Um, and this was why the Council of Mothers of May too had asked international observers from across Europe and the U.S. to come and stand with them on May 2nd on the, on the theory that if there are uh, foreigners present, that maybe the Ukrainian government and the U.S., which supports the Ukrainian government, really directs it, um, would, uh, would, would uh, hesitate to have a, a repeat of, of the massacre take place. Um, and we also did put together a big international support campaign. So it was a statement calling on the Ukrainian and U.S. governments to ensure the safety of the participants at the memorial. And within a matter of weeks, 180 organizations in two dozen countries uh, had signed the statement, and we hand-delivered it to the Ukrainian embassy in D.C. That was Anna Edwards uh, with the Defenders and uh, Ray McGovern, the former CIA analyst and now prominent anti-war activist, hand-delivered to the Ukrainian government and uh, held a press conference. And the next day, uh, a reporter from TASS, uh, attended the daily press conference at the State Department and asked the question, uh, what about this memorial and the threats against it and the massacre and the investigation? And uh, the, the deputy spokesperson, Mark Toner, went on record as saying that the U.S. condemned the massacre of, of 2014, uh, supported efforts to hold a memorial, and condemned uh, threats against the memorial in Odessa and supported the call for uh, a real investigation of the massacre. So that was kind of a breakthrough. Um, the upshot of the whole thing was that thousands of people came out on May 2nd in Odessa, which is really what what uh, made the difference. There were uh, supposedly 1,500 cops deployed, 500 members of the National Guard, 
um, there were fascist organizations, but they were vastly outnumbered, and they, they, they didn't weren't able to do much more than have some symbolic show of force by marching through the, the crowd quickly. Um, there were maybe a dozen arrests or so, but by and large, the day went off peacefully, and um, that was a great victory because it was a standoff between you know, the fascist forces backed by the government and the anti-fascist forces, and the anti-fascist forces won. So that was, it was a great victory and a, and a real honor just to be there uh, among these people who, you know, display such courage and, uh, and determination in the face of such threats. How do, how do you know, Phil, that the United States helped this particular nasty unit uh, be incorporated into the National Guard, as you mentioned, and that the United States government uh, directs the, the Ukrainian government? Well, okay, directing, that's, you know, my interpretation. Um, but in a nutshell, um, for five years or so um, before the coup, the United States was funding a vast array of NGOs in Ukraine to promote, quote, reform. Um, reform of a formerly socialist country means privatization of state industries, deregulation of industry, uh, and severe cutbacks in social programs like pensions and public housing and, and so on. Um, and the Agency for International Development directed all of that. And uh, the U.S. Uh, Undersecretary of State for European Affairs, Victoria Nuland, um, <clears throat> gave a speech uh, in front of a group of corporate sponsors in D.C. It was uh, videoed and it's on YouTube, um, bragging that the U.S. has spent $5 billion in this effort. Now, she was actually present in, uh, in Kiev, during the demonstrations, the protest demonstrations that grew into violent attacks on the government that resulted in the, um, in, in the president, uh, the pro-Russian president, being driven out of the country and a pro-U.S. president being installed. She, she was not only there, she went out and passed out loaves of bread and cakes to the demonstrators as a show of solidarity. Um, and, the, and there were uh, overtly fascist organizations like a group called Right Sector that were visibly involved in, in those protests that became violent. Um, the U.S. has been training uh, Ukrainian soldiers. Uh, they just had a group in uh, one of the army bases in Alabama to train them in the use of drones um, uh, to uh, intervene in the fighting in the Donbass area where, where anti-coup forces and pro-coup forces are duking it out. Um, it may lead to a, a separation uh, of that section of, of Ukraine. Um, the U.S. Uh, has uh, other military trainers in the city and uh, in the country. And Bruce Gagnon, one of the three of us who went to uh, Odessa, he's the uh, coordinator for the uh, uh, Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. He'll be one of the speakers at the uh, World Beyond War conference um, that... Uh, that you're helping to pull together in uh, in D.C. Uh, in September that I really encourage people to go to. All right. Um, Look forward to seeing and, you there. Uh, yeah, I'll be there. And uh, the defenders are finally plowing through our to-do list and we'll be endorsing the conference and helping to promote it. Thank um, you. But Bruce says, Bruce says uh, that the... Uh, uh, who's been following Ukraine for several years um, says that the special U.S. Special Forces... Uh, trained the Azov Battalion, which was um, 
is a neo-Nazi organization that models itself after uh, uh, military units of the SS, uh, Nazi SS in World War II. They even use the same symbols as one of the uh, SS units uh, as a shoulder patch, an arm patch. And they were allowed to keep that patch as uh, when they were transitioned into the National uh, Guard. And I saw members of that battalion in, in Odessa when we were there. Um, it's sort of like the Klan in green uniforms. Uh, that, that's, that's kind of the impression you get, except they're in better shape. There, there were snipers that were part of the coup uh, in the square in Kiev, and there were accounts of the U.S. supposedly training snipers in Poland. Uh, do you know anything uh, about that? You've been to to Poland uh, a couple of times as well. Yeah, um, I, I don't know the specifics of that. There were snipers that fired on a crowd of demonstrators, and uh, it, was, uh, it was claimed that those were government uh, snipers. And that uh, greatly turned public opinion um, in favor of the demonstrators. And now there are, you know, there are various observers who are alleging that those were actually uh, provocateurs. Um, and certainly provocateurs has been over and over. The use of provocateurs has been a pattern by the fascist organizations. But I don't have any specific information on that. Yeah. If you step back from the picture a bit, you see that um, a president who was... Uh, pushing for Ukraine to be economically integrated with uh, Russia and its economic allies was ousted, and a president who wanted to orient the country to the European Union and NATO uh, came to power um, and is carrying out the privatization and deregulation and cutbacks and social services program that that the the IMF uh, has been demanding. Um, So it certainly was in the U.S. interest that the coup took place. And you've got to kind of look at the breadcrumbs that get dropped um, from, from the whole, uh, you know, process to see to see uh, the, the the evidence, um, circumstantial evidence at this point that yeah. I know of well, that the U.S. was involved. Victoria Newland's interest, uh, not necessarily yours or mine, and and a handpicked president who she named before the coup uh, in phone calls that we can go and listen to on <laughs> on YouTube. I mean, I think the the evidence of the U.S. role is overwhelming, and you've cited some of the, of the key bits. But how how can how can people in the United States help at all now in terms of solidarity with the people in Odessa, in terms of uh, demanding responsibility uh, for the coup? Well, uh, one of the, uh, no doubt, chief proponents is running for president of the United States. What can, what can people do to get involved? Well, there's one very easy and important thing. The Council of Mothers of May 2, uh, has an online petition uh, supporting their call for an international investigation of the massacre of May 2, 2014. And uh, signing and promoting that petition uh, is a real contribution. They, they really feel like there needs to be an international outcry uh, in support of this. And people can find that petition by going on uh, the website that, uh, that we set up uh, following the trip to Odessa. It's called Odessa org. Odessa org. If you go on there, um, on, in the menu, there's a petition, and you click petition, and you, uh, you, you come to, uh, to their online petition, and you can sign it. And people could sign and promote it. That would be a great... It really means a lot. Uh, it, uh, if you're in Odessa, uh, and there's no Western coverage... 
of, uh, of what you are doing, what you are facing. I mean, after we, a couple of weeks after we were in Odessa, there was a uh, court hearing for a guy uh, who's been in prison since the massacre of 2014. And he was one of the, of the people that was in the House of Trade Unions. And uh, he was charged, uh, well, he wasn't formally charged. He was suspected of, of doing something to instigate the, the incident. Um, he was going to be released because no charges have been, fought, have been placed against him in two years. And so the three-judge panel had, had, had met to, uh, to uh, uh, go over his case, and they were expected to release him. Again, on YouTube, video, about 30 uh, thugs, who I understand were members of the right sector fascist organization, come into the courtroom, and they barricade the door from inside. They put up a piece of plywood and, and, and chairs and so on. They block the door, and they're screaming and they're yelling, and they're facing the three judges who are uh, defended by about a dozen cops uh, who look pretty scared. And... Um, and, and, and the fascists are, are, are screaming, you let him go, we will burn down this building with you in it. And they put him back in jail. Mm. That's how much the rule of law means in, in Ukraine. Um, and this is in Odessa, which is a city which did not support the coup. Even though it's two-third Ukrainian, about one-third ethnic Russian, it did not support the coup. Um, the mayor didn't. Um, uh, but uh, these fascist groups uh, have such uh, power because they're, you know, in, in an alliance with the federal government that they can they can carry off something like this. And it's uh, so the fact that the Council of Mothers and the population that was willing to come out in the thousands for this second anniversary memorial, the fact that they not only stand up against the fascists but are able to survive in this city, is a certain break on this whole process of eliminating uh, all opposition to the government and to the schemes of the IMF and, and to uh, 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 Ukraine's increasingly close relationship with NATO. So it's su supporting the Council of Mothers and their call for an international investigation. It's supporting an anti-fascist struggle that is a, 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 some kind of a break against this right-wing process. Yeah. And, I, I, and I'm not, you know, David, you know that... that you know, Europe has not been an area that I've been particularly involved in throughout my whole life. I mean, I did solidarity work with Vietnam and Cuba and Latin America and Africa, but I, I never, you know, it just it, it wasn't the, the priority. But um, having kind of slid into this area, um, it, it's, it's uh, increasingly obvious to me, and this is from talking to, you know, primarily leftists, but leftists who often don't agree on anything else. <laughs> <laughs> you think we're divided in this country. Um, but they all agree that, that 25 years after what they call the transformation, what everybody calls the transformation, the collapse of socialism, that um, Eastern and Southern Europe have been reduced to virtual neo-colonies of Western Europe and the U.S. Their industry has been largely um, discouraged. They're seen as sources of raw material, uh, purchasers, consumers of manufactured goods from the West cheap labor, the classical uh, relationship between the, you know, the metropolitan and imperialist countries and, and uh, the, the formerly colonized uh, so-called third world, uh, they're, 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 they're sinking deeper and deeper into poverty. More and more right-wing uh, governments are coming to power. And 
oligarchs, people who profited from the transformation, from the privatization schemes and so on, are funding overtly neo-Nazi fascist organizations to intimidate uh, opposition and uh, kind of do a clean sweep of the region. The IMF comes in and says that you're in trouble financially, we'll give you loans, they do, they, uh, do this in Ukraine, but you have to enact certain reforms. You have to sell off the rest of your state-owned industry. You have to sell off your public housing, which was heavily, heavily subsidized. And now people are being evicted from homes that they, they lived in, you know, for, in some cases, for 20, 30 years. Um, and and uh, it, it, it's, it's a situation where the populations are very anxious uh, economically. And just like in this country, they split. They go, some go to the left, some go to the right. Some support right-wing government. Some are rethinking, you know, uh, okay, we didn't like everything we had before under socialism, but, you know, we remember the good stuff, too. I mean, the free health care, the free education, uh, the, the sense of community. A lot of people we talked, I was really surprised. A lot of people talked about how there was more of a sense of community in the old days. People seemed to care about each other. And now it's all money, money, money. That's all That's all uh, anyone is supposed to think about. Yeah. So... So it's it's a it's a process, and and as you look at the direction, the geographical direction of this process, it's ever eastward, ever eastward. So that that uh, Russia now uh, is uh, its western borders are are ringed by formerly socialist countries that are now members of NATO or partners with NATO, um, and there are military maneuvers taking place uh, in Poland, uh, in the Black Sea. They're feeling very, very threatened, and when they react, uh, they're being accused of being aggressive, and and that ag- so-called aggression is used as justification for more, for more uh, uh, build-up uh, of NATO forces. Now, I was in uh, Warsaw for the NATO summit. I, I didn't attend the NATO summit. I attended two anti-NATO conferences right. um, that, that then joined together in a march on the on the NATO summit. And we had you know, Joseph Person on this show, Phil, before that about his plans to go there. So I wanted to get your report afterwards on you know what happened, uh, including how the people in in Poland perceived it. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, I mean, you want to go into that a little bit now? Uh, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting. Um, the, the conferences were relatively small. One uh, sponsored by the World Peace Council um, had about eighty-five people, and the other by No to NATO, uh, No to War, No to NATO that, that Joe is affiliated with, and also UNAC uh, was about one hundred and fifty. Um, and they have political differences, mainly over their um, criticism or non-criticism of Russia, but they joined together in a united march. Um, which was also joined by a local Food Not Bombs anarchist group. Um, and, uh, and they marched uh, past the U.S. Embassy where uh, Ann Wright, former uh, U.S. colonel and State Department official, who's now another prominent anti-war activist, gave a rousing speech. And then we uh, finished up at a field near, uh, within sight of, of the uh, NATO summit. Uh, and that's when I gave a talk. Um, and it was... Uh, you know, it seemed like every Polish cop in, in the country was was in Warsaw that day. I mean, the city was locked down tight. Um, there was a there's a, 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 a party called the Justice and Law Party that came to power last fall. Uh, very right wing, um, very anti-immigrant, very prone, uh, demanding um, 
uh, the uh, U.S. The NATO forces be stationed in Poland, um, and uh, uh, there were no incidents. Um, but uh, it, it was, you know, it was like uh, marching in a police state. Um, but they let it happen. You know, they didn't, uh, they didn't uh, crush it. Um, and and uh, that probably would have been an embarrassment for NATO. It makes it look like they're undemocratic when they're trying so hard to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, to get more integrated with the West. Yeah. But, um, but out of, from out of the conference, out of, out of the summit, rather, um, uh, there was a, 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 a deep escalation uh, of uh, the militarization of Eastern Europe. So that uh, uh, brigades, uh, I'm sorry, battalions, it's about a thousand soldiers each, are being stationed in Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. So that's the Baltic countries, formerly uh, members of the Soviet Union, that, that, that uh, border, two of them border uh, Russia and, and Poland. Um, the U.S. is also, quote, rotating uh, another couple of thousand troops uh, in, in Eastern Europe, which, which basically means they're there. I mean, they say rotating, um, so they can, uh, so they, you know, so you won't think that they're establishing a military base. But they're not staying at Motel Six. I mean, you know, they got their own facilities and so on. So yeah. it's basically putting a U.S. base there. And one of the, and, and they brought in uh, a, a new country, uh, Montenegro, well, one of the uh, the Balkan uh, countries, uh, formerly part of Yugoslavia, into NATO, formerly uh, incorporated in. And the thing about NATO is any attack on any NATO country requires response from all NATO countries. So you now got 28, um, 29, you have not have to, with Montenegro, you have 29 countries in NATO. If any one of them gets attacked, the U.S. is committed to go to war. Or, and that's or, Russia. Or, or, is, or is alleged to have been attacked, uh, which works just as well. Uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil yeah. we have about two minutes left, and I, I wonder if you could comment on the fact that not only are we not hearing about any of this uh, in the U.S. corporate media, but it's being drowned out by the exact opposite, as you mentioned, tales of Russian yeah. aggression, Russian invasion of, of Ukraine, Russian threats to Europe, and so forth, and to the point where you now have the Democratic Party uh, demonizing Republicans and associating them with Satan himself in the form of Vladimir Putin uh, and, you know, red-baiting in the way that it used to be the, the more right-wing party in the United States did. Yeah, what, what do you yeah, make of this yeah. phenomenon and how do we deal with it here at home? Well, I'm trying to not sound rhetorical. Um, I think that, that both the Democrats and Republicans are controlled by the same corporate interests. And they have the same international interests. It's only a question of, of how to achieve the goals. And Russia is a big prize. I mean, Russia has vast uh, natural resources, you know, developed industry. Um, it's a, it can be it's an economic and political competitor with the West. They would. I don't. I really don't think they want to go to war. I I, I know a lot of people are talking about the possibility of World War Three, but I don't, I'm not sure why you know capitalists would want to destroy. A country that can be exploited. Um, I, I think they'd rather uh, create enough tension that, uh, hoping that the people of Russia will say, "Jesus, we're going to wind up incinerated if if uh, we don't get a government that's more palatable to the U.S." Similar to what you know, how the U.S. got rid of the Sandinistas in Nicaragua by promoting the Contra War to the point where people voted the Sandinistas out. I think that's a more likely scenario. Um, but 
it, it could it could slip. It, it, uh, it's, right. it's extremely dangerous. Right. And the uh, and the Russian people have been you know I mean they remember the invasion of the Nazis. They're not giving in to the West. They're not going to allow their country to be dominated by. By, by Western powers, right? So and it's when extremely it, dangerous. When it comes to I, that, we have to be very, very lucky. And I wish we could talk about it for additional hours, uh, but we are out of time. Uh, Phil Willado, thank you very, very much for everything you're doing and for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Appreciate it so much, David. We're not getting invited by the New York Times or the Washington Post, so the independent media is the way. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.